Please be seated. Thanks for coming to uh, hear my testimony. Um, I think you're going to find that all the elders, their testimonies are very different. And I think that's how it should be. You know, we're not cookie cutter people. We're all different. God has made us unique in so many ways. And so I'm going to share with you my life and uh, what has happened, how God has uh, led me through this journey called life. I've, I've, uh, I've lived uh, longer than I would have guessed. <laughs> no, I, I, I still feel young, if you know what I mean, until I look in the mirror. <laughs> and I go, what happened? But one thing I can tell you with certainty is that God is good. God is good. God is gracious. And his love endures forever. So uh, I'm going to just share with you all the things that God has taken me through. So uh, if you can go to the next slide. So that's my beautiful family. I'm surrounded by women. That helps me look better than I actually am. Um, but it has been a blessing to uh, have found, uh, you know, they talk about soulmate, but uh, a soulmate in the Christian context is a whole nother thing. And the Lord has blessed me with a soulmate and three daughters who have uh, been instrumental in my sanctifying God sanctifying me in my life, and I'll, I'll share more about that. But you know, uh, for those of you that see me only at church, you only get to see one side of me. Like maybe you think, <laughs> yeah, I'm not always as serious, as, I'm serious outside of church too. So... Um, if you get to know me, you'll get to see that side of me. My kids do, uh, and they're embarrassed as heck. So they, they try to run as far away as they can and pretend like they don't know me. But uh, secretly, they really like me. They think, they think I'm funny, but they won't admit it. Someday, they will uh, come to realize that uh, their dad is fun. But I also have an adventurous side. So, um, man, swimming with the dolphin was one of the highlights of my life. Although I, I can't really keep up with them. I, I actually like swimming with turtles much more because they, they kind of go at my pace. But uh, I, I just love God's creation. And so, you know, I've always been a, a, amazed at God's creation. And so... Uh, there is an adventurous side to me. But let me get on to more serious matters. Uh, I want to talk about my life verse. And I could have picked, uh, well, you could use the entire Bible, really. But uh, something that, that God has really impressed upon me recently is First uh, Peter 5, 6 through 9. And I have been meditating on this for the last couple of years. And it's really challenged my thinking. 
You know, I, I, I pretty much say it every day uh, and really think about what it means. Because to me, this is the Christian walk. You know, when, um, when I was at another church, I was a Sunday school teacher making the rounds, teaching several adult Sunday school classes. I'd say that there were maybe 12 to 15 adult Sunday school classes. And I'd go around from the uh, unmarried young college couples all the way to the very senior classes. And one thing that struck me, um, I asked someone to, one older person, I think they were in their 70s, I asked them to share their testimony. And they talked about when they were seven years old, how they accepted Christ. And that was, that was great, but I was like, and then? There's something wrong if someone points to their, you know, the day that they accepted Christ when they were seven, and they almost have nothing else to say for the next seven decades of their life. And so that always struck me as, this can't be right. And so what I would share with you is that uh, salvation, how many of you know that salvation has three parts to it? Yeah, salvation has three parts, and uh, hopefully that's not new news to you. But the first is justification. It's a very, very important moment when you repent of your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear Son. That is an incredibly important moment. But if that's all you can ever speak to, unless you're the thief on the cross, that's not where most of your salvation is spent. So you have justification, you have sanctification. And that's where most believers should spend the majority of their time in the process of sanctification. This is why we go to church. This is why we need brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why we need to hear the teaching and preaching of God's word on a regular basis. And I would really tell you, um, this is really where I want to focus my time about God's sanctifying work in my life. But it really comes down to uh, humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves. I tell you, my walk with God for these five decades plus, God has humbled me in so many ways. God has shown me so many times how I am a sinner. And that, you know, I will never say to anybody, I hope I get what I deserve. Because I know what I deserve. I deserved to be condemned to hell forever. Because I have good intentions, but in the end, I'm a sinner. I make mistakes, and I 
stumble and I fall all the time. But thanks be to God, there's a Savior who forgives. That is the story of my life, but it's been about humbling myself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And the story of my life is when the mighty hand of God comes into my heart, it usually hurts a little bit. I don't know about you, but that's been my experience, that when God puts his mighty hand on my life, and he does, and he loves me, I know he loves me. You know why? Because the Bible tells me so. Because I don't always feel it. I don't always feel that God loves me. When I go back to God's word and I pray, I remember, God, you love me. All I have to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ to know he loves me. He proved it once and for all by dying on the cross for my sins. And so he asks me to humble myself under his mighty hand, and it's for my own good. It's for our own good. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. We don't need to exalt ourselves and we don't need to depend on other people exalting ourselves. The only one that matters is when the Lord himself has something good to say for us. But this life is a fight, so, it's, so the verse continues, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And so if you are a servant of the king, if you are a child of God, don't be naive. There is a fight on our hands. It's a daily fight, and this enemy does not fight fair. And I, he has tripped me up, and I've done a face plant several times. But you know, you know what? By God's grace... And by his strength and his power, I get up. And I will keep getting up. Because greater is he that is in me than that rascal that's in the world. It's kind of interesting how the Bible says, with respect to sin, most sins, the Bible tells us to flee, run away from sin. Don't try to stand there and fight temptation. Run away from it. But it's interesting that the Bible tells us when we realize that Satan's involved, it says resist him. Resist the devil. Not through, not through our strength, but through his power. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by all believers for all time throughout the world. So we can take comfort in knowing that God is always there for us. And so let me go on with some more specific details from my life. So if you could go to the next slide. So in 1968, when I was about five years old, 
my parents moved to the U.S., so I was an immigrant. Uh, I, I knew what that was like to be an outsider, to not be able to speak the language. But you know, um, my parents, amazingly, they were both believers. And in particular, my mother, she's the prayer warrior. She's the, she's the one on the right. Uh, she prayed for me very consistently from the time I was in her womb. And I'm so thankful. Uh, when we moved, my Korean name is, uh, they always go with the last name first, Kim Tong Hyun, that's my name. And uh, when we came to the U.S., she gave me the name Samuel because she was inspired by the story of Samuel in the Bible, how Hannah prayed diligently for her son and the Lord answered her prayer. And so she named me Samuel, and that's why I got the name. And I didn't really appreciate that when I was a kid, because all I heard was, Sam, I am, green eggs and ham. <laughs> so it wasn't until years later that I realized that my name actually had a significance beyond uh, it rhymes with a bunch of uh, things that, are, that I didn't really appreciate. But honestly, my testimony is there was never a time in my life, and you know, Justin talked about this last week, I grew up believing the Lord. I, I, I don't ever remember a time when I didn't believe. When I, when I heard the stories in the Bible, I knew that was true. I can't tell you why, all I can say is it's probably my mother's prayers. You know, I loved going to church. Church, for me, was the only good place in my life because we were poor immigrants. And so going to church, I'd go Wednesday and Sunday and any other day that I could because it was the highlight of my week every week. And I, I feel bad for some of the younger people today because there's so much interesting stuff competing for your time. But I'd say there's no greater place than to be in the house of the Lord where his word is being preached. And so uh, the thing that my mother said, the, the overriding memory of me when I was a kid is that I was just a happy kid. You know, it didn't matter that we were poor, we were immigrants. I was just always happy, and I, I didn't really care what anybody thought. I think that was a blessing for me. So uh, when I was about five years old, so that's me in the front. I don't know if I'm looking defiant or, or confident. I'm not sure, but what I can tell you, I was not a shy kid. Uh, even when, when I was five years old and couldn't speak a lick of English, so one time... Uh, we were in Denver at the time, and um, I came home with uh, $5 in my pocket. And my mom was really worried. She's like, where'd you get that? You know, did you steal this from somebody? And uh, I said, no, this nice man gave it to me. She's like, yeah, some nice man gave it to you. No, really, and I explained to my mom that 
I was just walking, walking around the neighborhood, and I saw this man washing his car. And it looked like a lot of fun to me. And so I just like picked, I didn't ask for permission or anything. I just picked up a rag and started like, you know, I wasn't very tall, so all I could do is like the wheels and the bumper. But it looked like a lot of fun. So I just, I just started, I'm sure this, this guy's like, what's this kid doing? And when he saw that I was actually helping him, you know, he, he, we, I don't, we didn't have a conversation that I could remember. I, cu- I couldn't speak English, but, uh, you know, he was happy with, uh, I'm sure his kids were sleeping or something uh, in the house, but he gave me five bucks. And so that's just the personality that God gave me. You know, I just, it helped me learn English very quickly. And so um, I did find some interesting things. Like, for example, I walked to preschool as a five-year-old. And I, I thought it was interesting that all the other kids got picked up. I just thought, huh, I guess they're not good at walking. I don't know. <laughs> so I just, this is what I do. I, I didn't feel envious or anything. I was like, huh, they must be wimps. I don't know. I just walk. So anyway, that, that, I think my early years were very happy. I, we didn't have uh, much, but my parents provided food and shelter, and I didn't feel like I was poor, per se, uh, in fact, I felt rich, especially when I went to church, when I was told that I'm a child of the king. I just, that gave me a ton of confidence that, uh, that everything was good. But then, you know, uh, times of testing come. And so the next phase of my life, next slide, please. So uh, I grew up in San Francisco and not in a in a kind of a sketchy neighborhood, okay. So, um, but I didn't I didn't know, you know. As a five year old, I remember my mother walking me to the kindergarten through some questionable areas, and then the next day I was on my own. I just thought that's what you do. I didn't, you know. I was. When I became a parent, there was no way I'd let my kids go walk by themselves. Uh, but you know, my parents prayed for me and nothing ever happened that was uh, bad other than, I remember walking through the neighborhood, there was one big German shepherd that used to freak me out all the time. But other than that, um, I, was, uh, I was a happy kid. But what, My father got called into the ministry. Um, He came to the US to live the American dream, and uh, it turned out to be a nightmare for him. You know, they don't talk about that. But what do you do when your dreams are squashed and you feel like all hope is lost? And it's, it's a weird thing to recall my father weeping in our living room 
regretting that he ever came to the U.S. and like, why did I? He was a very proud man. He was a, a, a captain or some high-level official in the Korean Navy. He thought he was going to be a big shot in America and make it big, and his dreams were squashed, and he um, didn't work out for him. But God had other plans, and so God's plan was to have him go into the ministry. And so he moved to West Berlin by himself and to, uh, to be a missionary. There were a bunch of Korean, uh, at the time, it was West and East Germany, and uh, West Berlin in particular, they had a shortage of nurses, so they invited a Korean um, college grads to come and learn nursing in Germany. And so there were all these young Korean women who needed a pastor. And so my father went to minister. Um, after like half a year, uh, my mother decided it's not good for a family to be apart. And so she just, it was funny, she told me. My, my mom's a courageous woman. She just, there wasn't email or, you know, so she sent a letter basically telling my father, we're coming. Because he kept saying, don't come, don't come, I can't, I can't take care of you. She just sent the letter, said, we're coming, this is the flight, this is the date. And I said, Mom, what would you have done if Dad didn't show up at the airport? Oh, he's going to show up at the airport. <laughs> She's a woman of great faith. So, uh, he, she, you know, it, it did happen, and uh, if you know anything about German education, by the time you're 13, they decide you're either on the college track or you're on the vocational track. Yeah, it, it's just based on your test scores. If you test well, you, you're on the university track. If you don't test well, you learn a trade, which I, I think is actually, in many ways, a good thing. So I was uh, 12 at the time, and you know I couldn't speak a lick of German. The only class I could participate in was when they taught English. I was actually pretty good at that, fortunately. But um, they said, well, you know, your son, he, he can't speak German, so we're going to put him in a trade school, or you, you need to do something else. And so my mother, uh, she decided to put me into a military, uh, a school for military kids. And the school exists today, actually, John F. Kennedy School. Uh, I went there uh, because my mother worked as a nurse. That's a whole other story, how she worked as a nurse in, in uh, Germany when she couldn't speak German either. But uh, she's a woman of great faith. And so this was an important turning point in my life because it was at Kennedy that I learned how behind I was everybody else. Have you ever had a point in your life where you realized that you're hopelessly behind everyone else? Not a good feeling. In fact, when I was going to elementary school in uh, San Francisco, they didn't have GPA. They had either a 
satisfactory or unsatisfactory. That was, that was all I knew. I thought this is what you do. And so I get to this school. It's a college prep, and it's very competitive. They're talking about GPAs. I'm like, what the heck is a GPA? I, n- I never heard of that. And so I, I, I learned that an A is worth four, and, you know, 4.0 is a good thing. So I said, I'm, I want a 4.0. That's, that's what I want without understanding what it would take and how far behind I was everybody else. And so um, it, was a, it was a rude awakening. It was a big slap in the face for me. It was uh, God humbling me. I mean, the truth can really hurt sometimes. The truth can really hurt that you're not as good as you thought you were. And so, but it was a real good teaching moment for me because I learned a verse in Sunday school class. See, this is why you should go to Sunday school. Send your kids to Sunday school. So I went to Sunday school and I learned a verse. It said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I remember I just said, okay, I'm, I'm at the bottom of the heap, but I have God, and I'm going to do the darndest that I can, and I'm going to just work as hard as I can and leave the rest to God. I don't know how I did that as a 12-year-old, but I did. I think it's by God's grace. He was giving me an opportunity. And you have an elder, by the way, that uh, flunked sex education. So I'm sitting in class. All the kids are writing notes. I'm just—I never taken notes in my life. I'm just sitting back, watching what's going, and I just can't believe what the what the teachers drawing on the board. I mean, it just, it just seemed like, why would he do that, you know? I mean, it seemed, so there was a girl sitting next to me, and I said, what is he drawing on the board? And she turned bright red and, and didn't answer my question. So I'm just, I was, this is how lost I was. And so, the day of the test came. And then it dawned on me, this is why people take notes in the class. <laughs> I had, I, I hate to tell you where I, I think I, I got an F. I think I got zero out of, right? I just used the, the, euphemism for the male uh, organ that I heard as a kid. I didn't quite understand uh, what the terms meant, and so I flunked. There goes my 4.0 with my first test. Uh, Also, I found out I was at the bottom of the reading class. I was at the bottom of the bottom. I had never really read aloud in class ever. And so 
you know, it's an embarrassing thing to find out that you can't read very well. It's very humiliating. But you know what I did? I, I remembered the verse. I prayed to God every day. I just said, Lord, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. And what I determined was I didn't care how stupid I was or what other people thought of me. And, when, you know, we're in the bottom reading class, so you know what happens, right? The teacher says, anyone want to volunteer to read? Guess who raised their hand like every time? It got to a point where she said, anyone else besides Sam want to raise their hand? But, you know, I didn't care because I knew I was not going to get better by sitting on my rear end and being quiet. And so I volunteered every time. And you know what happened? I started getting better. I just started getting better. And in a short time, I went from the bottom to the top. And this is just by God's grace. And so... um, Every day, I said the prayer. I didn't say the prayer. I prayed to the Lord. You know, there's a difference, right? I prayed to the Lord every day, and I said, Lord, I'm going to do my best. Please, please help me. And he answered my prayer. So I, I grew so much. And... Uh, uh, it's like everything clicked for me in that one semester. One semester. It's like I, I went from the bottom to near the top of the class. And it's, it's not my talent. It was just by God's grace. But I, I tell you, I took the subway to the school. I was 12 years old by myself. I would stay until the librarian kicked me out every day. I got to know the librarian. He and I were buddies. He'd look at me and say, Sam, it's time to go. No, 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 I just need to finish one more thing. And so, um, you know, um, what happened was, uh, and I'll share one other thing, just because uh, it's, it's an important um, lesson about life and about faith. Uh, one time, you know, I, I was trying so hard, but, but I got really frustrated. Uh, and I complained to my mother. I said, I can't do the math homework because you need graph paper. And I didn't quite know where to buy the graph paper. And so I was just, I spent, I must have spent a good hour just moaning my fate. Like, I can't do my stupid homework because I don't have graph paper. And I just complained loudly to everyone, doing nothing but complaining. Well, while I was complaining for a good hour, maybe longer, my mother went, got a piece of paper and a ruler, and she made graph paper for me. She didn't like say, you ingrateful, stupid kid. 
I'm working so hard to send you to private school. She just gave me like six pages of graph paper. Wasn't expecting that, actually. So this is when the Christian life is not about talk. It's about love. So uh, long story short, um, my science teacher saw how hard I worked. and I, I knew I didn't get, deserve to get straight A's, but my science teacher saw how hard I worked. And so I, I knew I didn't deserve an A in that class, but he said, you know what? Um, you were new to the school and you came into the middle, so I'm gonna throw that test out. And so I got my 4.0. God answered my prayer, and he taught me a very important lesson, not to look at my circumstances, not to look at other people, not to look at even myself, but to keep my eyes focused on the Lord Jesus, because he is the author and perfecter. So wherever you happen to be, whether you're in a good place or a tough place, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Because he has a plan if we will just humble ourselves and, and look to him. That was a major turning point in my life. I wish I could say that it was something that I did, but it's just something where the Lord led me. And it is, it is not just letting go and letting the Lord do it. We have to do our absolute best, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we, for the King of kings and Lord of lords, should we not do our best for him? We should always do our best for him because he gave his best for us. He didn't give of his galaxies. He didn't give of gold or silver. He gave the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. That is a love that this world cannot comprehend. So if you go to the next slide, um, of course, I can't talk about every aspect of my life, but um, college was another uh, interesting time. You know, because I came from an immigrant family, the only thing I could think of was, I need to graduate and make money. That was... You know, that's, uh, I need to be independent of my parents, and I need, maybe I need to help my brother and sisters get through college. I need to make money, and that was my prayer. And so I didn't know a squat thing about engineering, but I looked at the reports that said, engineering is where I ought to be because, you know, you go to school, get your degree, and make money. Great, I'm going to do that. So I didn't know anything about engineering, and I went to the University of the Pacific, and my roommate was a civil engineer. 
that sounds good to me. I'll be a civil engineer. So I declared civil engineer. Once I found out what they do, I was like, I don't want to be a civil engineer. <laughs> and then, you know, the next thing was mechanical engineering. And you can talk to my wife and my kids. I'm not a mechanical person. I just am not. I am deficient in that area. So it became quickly apparent that that was not my calling either. I was good at math, so electrical engineering was what I kind of landed at. But you know, the funny thing is I could take a test, but I'm, not, I'm a horrible engineer. You can ask my daughter who went to Cal and, and uh, had to had to do some uh, electrical engineering stuff, and the only thing I could say was, honey, that was 30-plus years ago. <laughs> I'm not a good engineer. That's just the truth, okay? I, I respect those of you who are, who are rocket scientists and engineers. I appreciate you, but I don't want to be you. Um, how many of you have had to deal with stuff you don't like to do? That's life. Get over it. <laughs> I remember one particular class that I was just, I didn't get it. I didn't want to get it. But I needed it to graduate. Can you relate to that? I just was not into this class, but I, I was not going to graduate without it. And I remember walking along the levee in Stockton thinking, my life is over. And it's just stupid thinking, right? My life is over. I'm going to flunk this test, and I'm going to not graduate with my engineering degree and my life is going to be over. Feeling sorry for myself. And as I was walking along, the thought occurred to me, wait a minute, time out. I'm a child of the king. I got my whole life ahead of me. This is stupid. This is what resisting the devil looks like. I was like, this is the lamest thought. You know what? Okay, I might get a D but that's still passing. I get my degree, and I'll go on with my life. And I remember walking away happy. <laughs> I wound up getting a C. It was my only C in uh, college. But I passed. Praise God. And most importantly, I finished. I finished. There's something to be said about finishing. Even if it's not fun, finish. Finish it. God bless me for finishing a difficult thing. Because I don't know that I could have had a career without finishing my degree. It wasn't fun. And so the next slide. So I graduate. No job. Well, this stinks. 
I mean, my whole plan pretty much blew up in my face. I didn't know what, you know, sometimes God answers us in different ways. And so I graduated, it was a slow time, um, no job. And so I have Think Clean Cleaners. That was my mom's business. That's where I worked after I graduated. That was humbling. But you know what? Every day I went to work, I had a great attitude. You'd have to talk to my mom. I thought I had a good attitude. <laughs> I tried. I was as... I liked talking to customers. That was fun. I liked talking about their clothes and you know, just their life and everything that's going on. So anyway, um, that's what I did. And then, you know, for those of you who graduate, you know... After a year, there's going to be a fresh set of graduates, right? And so I, th I thought I knew best, and I said, okay, well, Lord, I, I thought about going into ministry, so I applied to Golden Gate Theological Seminary and got accepted. So I was, I was, all, I was set to give up engineering and go into ministry. But my father... It's funny, my father said, uh, swear to me that if you get a job offer, you will take it. <sighs> okay, it's been a year. I'll, 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 I'll keep that promise. And so um, I'm at the cleaners. I get a call. It was from my manager who I worked an uh, internship with. He said, I, need, I have an opening, I need to hire someone, you're the guy I want to hire. What? This was after I had my heart set on going to seminary and going into vocational full-time ministry. So I was trapped by what I said. I mean, could I lie to my dad and go to seminary? That would have been incongruous, to say the least. So I took that job, and th that's, it was a confusing period, but you know what? It was not my plan, it was God's plan, so I just followed that. And that's the story of my life, that God knows better than I do. I'm just going about living, doing the best that I can, trying things, and letting God direct me. And all I can tell you is that God is good his love endures forever. Uh, if you go to the next slide, I can tell you that I've been very blessed in, in love. Um, Psalm 19.22 says, what a man desires unfailing love. The world would tell you that a man desires a, a hot-looking woman. Tell you... That, that, that fades. You know how you know? Look at people's 25 most beautiful people. It changes every year, doesn't it? Why is that? Did the people from the previous year get ugly all of a sudden? No, because tastes change. 
people are so fickle. What people really want is an unfailing love. And if you get that, you, you should get that in church. That's why you come to church, to find people who will give you an unfailing love. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I was blessed to find a woman. If you go to the next slide. So I took Lily to her high school prom. I was a senior in college, by the way. I didn't care. You know, I don't care what people think, right? So her friends called me Mr. <laughs> that was kind of weird. But I took her to her senior prom. So that was fun. I didn't go to my high school prom, so um, I look okay in pink, don't you think? Anyway, uh, four years later, I was able to get married to my bride. She's been my bride for 30 years, and um, thanks, Lil, for putting up with me. Um, I've learned so much from being a husband. Um, I definitely got the better end of that deal. And so I thank God every day that I have a, a godly woman uh, that I can count on who gives me an unfailing love. I know no matter what happens to me, whether success or failure, in sickness or in health, uh, whatever happens, I know that she'll be there. And we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. So, um, yeah, it's been a blessing. And, I, you know, I, I tell my daughters, I don't pressure them to get married because what I would tell you who are single, don't settle. I, I, it'd be better to stay single than to be in a bad marriage. And don't be unequally yoked. I've seen so many people struggle with that. If it's God's will, keep praying. It'll happen. Keep submitting yourself, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Sometimes he says no. Um, that southern theologian, uh, Garth Brooks, <laughs> some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And sometimes when God says no, it's for our own good. We just have to trust him. So uh, if you get to the next slide, uh, obviously being a father has been a, a big thing for me in my life. Uh, I don't know who's learned more, my kids or me from being a, a father. But, uh, you know, I told you, I don't care what people think. I really don't. It's a strength, but it's also my weakness. So God gave me four sensitive females to live with. That's a sanctifying love, I'll tell you. <laughs> 
it's not a fair fight, but as I tell my girls, life is not fair. But uh, I will mention, during the midst of this, uh, there was a GBF church plant in 2006. And I'll tell you right now that uh, I didn't want to do a church plant. Lily and I didn't want to do a church plant. Why? A big reason was, what about our girls? There's like, gonna, I mean, there's not really going to be a Sunday school. I wanted my girls to have a nice Sunday school. And so, you know, Lily and I, we did what Americans do. We made our checklist of things we look for in a church, right? And on top of the, the very top of the list was, Lord, we want a good youth group for our girls. Because they, Melissa was 10 and the twins were 8. And so they're going right into the, you know, the middle school years, what's going to happen? We want... We want them to grow spiritually. We want them to have Christian friends. You know, when, when we started praying about it, God, it was very convicting because we didn't really ask God what he thought. We were telling God what we wanted. And so we, we gave that up. We said, okay, Lord, you, our girls are in your hands. And I'll tell you, uh, God answered our prayer in, in ways that I could not have envisioned. Because they got something much better than a youth group. You know what that is? They got young ladies in their 20s speaking into their life. And because it was such a small youth group, it was almost a one-for-one. One. And I'm so thankful for, I don't know if you're here, but um, Allison Ng and Sharu and Jen Lee and Phoebe Yip, they spoke into my girls' lives. So thankful. Because God understood my heart's desire, and he knew that his way was going to be better than mine. And I'll tell you, those with you who have kids in middle school, high school, there are some things they, they, the kids cannot hear from you. They just need young, wise women who are older than them who can point them to Christ. And so we were so blessed, and God answered our prayer. It wasn't a sacrifice. I don't want... The point is that God's ways are better than our ways, okay? Um, so a few closing remarks. So the first one is from Ecclesiastes 12.1. To you younger people, so I'm in my 50s, so anyone younger than 50, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. The evil days will most certainly come. You know, sin, ha sin can be pleasurable for a season, but in the end, you will learn to hate it because it will destroy your life. So while you are young, walk with the Lord. His ways are better than our ways. A second point I'd say is that rejoice when trials come your way, James 1 and 2 and following. 
This has been the story of my life. It's like, okay, Lord, I've had enough trials in my life. When can I have some peace? And no, he, he, he just keeps bringing those trials. And I wish I could tell you it's always fun. It's not. But these trials, they make me pray. They make me turn to Christ. It keeps me focused on what I need to do. A third thing I would say is, watch out for the log in your own eye. We're all good at, aren't we, finding the speck in our brother's eye? You know, the fact is, when you have a log in your eye, everyone around you knows. They do. It's just you that don't get it. So be aware, be aware. We all have logs in our eyes that need to be dealt with. Uh, the four Gospels, all four Gospels have the feeding of the 5,000. That's significant. And what I would, the message for me and to you, what I'd say is when you face an impossible situation, when you feel like all hope is lost, find your few fish and loaves and give it to the Lord. You know, there, how many of you have trouble, how many of you want to go to work every day? I don't. I'm jealous. Wilson, you're a better man than I am. But you know what? Sometimes half the battle is just showing up. Thank God, I don't feel like going to work today, but I'm going to go because it's the right thing to do. And every time I've prayed that prayer, God has answered. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And there were blessings all along. So whenever you face something that seems insurmountable, be thankful for what you do have and give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm facing an impossible situation and all I can do today is just show up. And I think God will honor that. Uh, Matthew 18, Peter asked that great question, how often should I forgive my brother? As many times as they ask. So what I would tell you, forgive others, uh, forgive yourself. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. What I would tell you, if Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, has forgiven you, you can forgive yourself. And be quick to ask for forgiveness because that's a sanctifying thing. Uh, next, uh, next sixth point, watch out for false prophets. Wolves in sheep's clothing. I tell you, uh, one of the greatest heartaches of being an elder at church has been finding wolves in our midst who we thought were sheep. People that we poured our lives into, we prayed for, we tried to encourage, and they turned out to be vicious wolves. I'm just glad that those people have been exposed. 
I want to love you guys, but I'm going to love you and speak the truth to you. You may not want to hear. But we're called to love one another in truth. And we need to watch out. There will be wolves that creep in amongst us. You can't be naive about that. A seventh point is uh, 1 Peter 2.11. As foreigners or aliens and exiles abstain from passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, you will not see God without holiness. Don't fool yourself. There's a big lie going out that, that Jesus forgives all your sin and you could live like a heathen and be saved. That's not true. If you're a believer, you must bear fruit in increasing measure. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not that we're ever going to be perfect, but if you're not growing in those areas, you have reason to, to question whether you're a believer or not. So examine yourselves. I examine myself all the time. I know I'm saved, but I also know I'm a sinner and I need to be challenged on a daily basis. Eighth point, don't grow weary of doing good. Ever get weary of doing good? How come I always have to be the one to apologize? How come I have to be the one to say I'm sorry? Because Christ forgave you. And just to encourage you a little more, you know, when I felt frustrated, the Lord gave me this verse from Jeremiah 12, 5. If you've raced with men and are weary, how will you compete with horses? Lord, I want to race against the kindergartners because I know I can beat them. No. That's not what God has in mind for us. God is going to demand the best from us. Why not? Did you know you're bought with a price? Not with precious metals or cash, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Whatever he asks, do that. And finally, the goal of my life is I want to hear the Lord Jesus say at the end of my life, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not there yet. Because my story is not done. I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting. I'm still moving ahead. But I know with the Lord, the Holy Spirit, my wife, my kids, and my church family, I'm going to make it there. I'm going to make it there. And I hope you'll make it there with me because the last leg of salvation is glorification. And it's going to be awesome when we can get rid of this body of sin. It's going to be a glorious day. But don't, don't give up. Keep persevering. Let me close this time with a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've had. Uh, You are a gracious and loving God. Lord, you have blessed me far beyond what I could have ever hoped or dreamed as a kid. Lord, thank you for your loving kindness. Truly, it is your mercy and your kindness that leads to salvation. Thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for putting up with us. Thanks for patiently guiding us through the journey of life. Forgive us for continually falling short. Help us to want to please you more than anything else. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, sorry. I think we... we, uh, I, I didn't leave a lot of time, but I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. By the way, you can... Find me outside of church. This isn't the only opportunity. But if anyone has a question, uh, I may or may not have the answer, but I will try. (laughs) That's what I'll say. Anyone have a question? Oh, you want to see points one through five again? Yes, thank you. Okay, are you going to hold me accountable or something? No. Okay. Anybody? Uh, Scott? Uh, after I see it, no. <laughs> no. Michael, I, I, I'm not responsible, um, so I think it'll, it's being recorded, so I assume it's going to be available somewhere, but... Uh, oh, man. <laughs> That's okay. Like I said, I don't really care what people think. <laughs> Anybody else have a question? Okay, you can you can find me. I'm you know, I uh I'm thankful to be one of your elders. Um I am not perfect by any stretch. Um I have more shortcomings than than you would want to know, but uh, the thing that you need to know is that I love the Lord. And I will do my best to love you, and uh, let's, let's walk on this journey together. For God is good. His love truly endures forever. God bless you, everyone.